0: Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I am again joined by Diane Well, Marketing Insights Director, MRI Springboard, and we are going to look at footfall from July to August. Hi, Diane. Hi, Simon. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. Just recovered from the forum, our productivity forum last week, which you opened for us. So it was great to have you there again. Another good session and some brilliant feedback.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great day. Really good. Um, great networking opportunities, but also um, not talking about myself but um the uh the papers and the presentations were great really inspiring
0: good good and we're just in the in the throes of getting dates sorted so we'll we'll announce that soon and people can start signing up so let's turn our attention back to uh, footfall we, we've talked over the months uh, this year around the kind of different trends i think last month was a record breaking month probably for all the wrong reasons so, how have we fared from July into uh, the end of August?
1: Well, good news is August was slightly more positive, which is great. Uh, we returned to positive territory in terms of a month on month increase in footfall, but it was, I have to say, only very marginal. It was 0.2% up, which doesn't offset the 0.3% drop from June to July, which is a real shame. Um, so, at top level, you know, it's clear that the yeah, economic conditions are starting to tell on footfall, 0.2% up on on month, you know, it's not great. Um, It meant that the annual increase from 2022 in August was the lowest it's been, uh, just 1.9% higher than August 2022. And whilst some of that is a natural sort of tailing off of of the exponential rises that we've been having since COVID, um, it's also a reflection of the pressures that people are feeling in terms of household budgets.
0: So that, that's, and I know we talked about it on a number of occasions, that's really starting to shine through now, unfortunately, isn't it, in terms of, I suppose we're out of peak holiday season, so we've paid for our holidays or we've used the, the credit we had from lockdown. We're now in that run, you know, clocks change, kids back at school. We start to see Christmas in supermarkets. I've seen some this week. I think it was marzipan and mince pies.
1: Oh,
0: um But that's <laughs> skipped that,
1: Halloween then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well that that'll come and go in in a in a flash and i there's all this stuff you know on social media about eighteen week eighteen fridays to christmas and a hundred days mm-hmm. and all that stuff so it, it, it we've turned that corner into the we have the, the darker nights um that means we'll start to put the uh the heating on and the fires on because the temperature's going to drop and that's all kind of, I suppose, those energy pricings have all been forgotten for a, a while while we w- we've been bathing in the sun. So there's, there's those cost pressures um, at the time of recording. I think this week we're expecting interest rates to go up again, strangely, as inflation's come down. Uh, so we're heading into that, aren't we? Plus, like you say, there's Halloween, there's bonfire night which which i think halloween probably a bigger event now than before and bonfire night getting caught up in the whole animal welfare thing so maybe diminishing um but and then you're into the big event are you then you then you're at christmas and black friday and uh cyber monday weeks in between
1: absolutely i mean i know um that we're getting into the christmas period because i've um And I presented this last week, didn't I? Um, The first um, tellings of my forecast for quarter four and for Christmas in terms of footfall. So I definitely know that Christmas is on the horizon. Um, But most definitely, you know, it's all talk about what's it going to deliver for Christmas. And it's going to be a challenge. It really is. Um, I mean, we're very habitual as consumers. We don't change our habits very much. We do what we do every year. We've been tracking footfall at MRI springboard since twenty. well, 2002, actually, but publishing data since 2009. And over that period, we can see a very, very clear pattern of um, upwards and downward shifts across the year. And it doesn't really change much. So when we forecast, what I do is, of course, look at what's happened in previous years and then take a judgment of what I think is going to happen this year in terms of those monthly changes. And, of course, that flows through into an annual change and a change from... 2019 so i won't still own thunder but needless to say it i haven't been forecasting huge uplifts um, but certainly in terms of august that's really the end of the summer as you said and it's the beginning of autumn and the run-up to christmas and we're definitely seeing this raining back this caution we see it every august anyway people are more cautious in august than they were in in the height of the summer in july but um definitely we're seeing it and You know, inflation has a big part to play in that. Um, The ONS talk about this divergence between value and volume. You know, values are going up, of course they are, because inflation is sitting at 6.8%. But people are buying fewer items because they can't afford as much and they're trading down as well. Um, So volumes are lower and values are higher. So if you just look at values, you're going to get a very distorted view of retail sales and people go, retail sales are holding up
0: only because of inflation. Um, Yeah, and that's a really interesting point. I know we touched on it last week briefly again at the forum, but in a retail, well, whatever world you work in, if the cost of goods is going up but your actual throughput's going down, you therefore need less labour to to do it because from a pure workload point of view, you're handling less items, putting less items out, making less uh, meals in restaurants, pulling uh, less pints of beer in a pub, receiving less goods in a warehouse so that i think people are starting to move away from that top line sales number as the the kind of mechanism because if you just look at that you pat yourself on the back but actually as you say if you start to look at that divergence of value and volume you can see that everything else is in decline
1: absolutely Um and um, I think there's two sides of it. There's the abs- that, that fulfilment element, which is absolutely right. You know, you need less people to fulfil less. But at the same time, um, because you're putting more eggs in- into a smaller basket, people are buying less. So every customer is more valuable to the retailer because you need to make sure that that, that sale value of every customer that walks through the door is as high as it possibly can be. So therefore, what... The focus needs to be is on shop floor staff making sure they're doing their best job they can possibly can and converting more sales so you know upselling where they can um, converting more where they can making that whole customer journey in store more appealing encouraging people to spend more time in store and therefore they're likely to buy more um, so and really improve the sale value of every customer in the store itself because clearly that they're going to need to
0: do that. And if you don't get it right, I suppose we kind of end up, unfortunately, in the in the world of where Wilco ended uh, over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, our thoughts go out to all the colleagues there. Clearly, Poundland, uh, B&M have come in and hopefully taken the colleagues with some of the property. I think the range, we've said before, of have, have purchased the, the brand, online brand rights. So tough time for those... those um, colleagues and everybody in the office in the kind of senior team but any thoughts on how we got to where it got to
1: yes i mean it's it's it's, as you say it's really sad for all those people who work so hard in wilco to make it a successful retail operation and in many ways the demise of the business um isn't a reflection on their efforts and their success i mean a lot of the issues that wilco's were dealing with were back office infrastructure cost issues I mean certainly that's what put paid to um the HMV offer for for the infrastructure costs were just too high um they they clearly overextended they um became a much bigger business than perhaps they should have been um they their store locations you know, they bought quite a few Woolworths stores which as we know hadn't worked for Woolworths and also were very large often two two floors in-town centres, which are more highly rented than retail parks. And um, so simply the sales weren't there to, to cover the cost of those stores. And when you have 400 stores and quite a few of those are very highly rented and too large, it's, it's going to cause issues in association with all the other issues that they, they they had, and they were very highly geared. So all of these things come together in the perfect store. So It's never one thing. Um, and, of course, the competition, if they're leaner and meaner, and and better at doing what they're doing, and their costs are lower, then they they can survive. So um, it's really sad. Um, I mean, they do say clocks to clocks in three generations, but you hope it's not true. Um, And, you know, it's always sad when you lose a a strong brand from the high street. But, you know, I had a quick look last week at all the brands that I remember back from the 70s and the 80s, and I'm really really showing my age, that just don't, don't exist anymore. I mean, do you remember Athena? I mean, just... Yes, well, I PMI, loved Athena. You know, that's when we had posters on our walls. Um, not there. Sock Shop went. You know, and so it's not that size of store because Sock Shop were in tiny stores. You know, so um, Ratners. You know, but if the list continues, and they all had their own individual problems. Um, but I think what it's saying is that you know the the, re- the bricks and mortar retail industry, and even just the retail industry, is an ever evolving industry, as all industries are. But I think because it's largely structured around a built environment, those shifts tend to be a bit slower than they are in the digital world. So you get movers in and out, and that takes longer. So it needs to be a much more of a dire situation for a retail operation, a bricks and mortar retail operation to shut its doors, than perhaps a digital operation, and it's more visible. So, yeah, it's really sad. Um, but we, uh, at MRI Swimboard, we've seen online retailers look at, Um, stores i mean we know amazon we know you know best you know most probably they're the most um widely regarded you know example but there's gymshark of course they've just they've bought flagship store in regent street and they're an online operation but there's also smaller retailers that we've been working with mri springboard who have started online and are moving into stores so it's happening and the vacancy rate is dropping um so that shows businesses are opening so it's always there's always a light at the end of the tunnel
0: yeah and i I think in any industry, even in life, kind of the, the strongest survive, don't they? But I suppose what it does mean is somebody, unfortunately, now takes the, the mantle of Wilco's and will, will be at the, in the relegation zone, I suppose, if you liken it to football in, in retail and, and all need to up their game. And again, as we talked about last week, I think if you're in one of those businesses that's constantly changing, that's probably difficult. But actually reassuring that the business is evolving. If you're in one of those businesses where you're kinda of standing still, I think that's where the the warning signs and and things start to creep in because we've seen what happened to Wilco's House of Fraser, uh in it, in its day, Debenham's, all of those other ones that we talked about, Athena. Uh, my my time focus, the when I want work there, do it all, fads. Um, oh, fads. Yeah. Oh, um fads.
1: Get your,
0: get your wallpaper. Uh, yes. Um, Wallpaper, Uh, but then some of them come back, don't they? So yeah, Mike Ashley's done a good job with Fraser's House of Fraser. They've they've opened a Wimpy, ironically, in Shrewsbury High Street that seems to be busy. So there is a bit of a three sixty as well, where some of these brands come back. So I suppose you never know. But the point, the point I wanted to stress was everybody that's in successful business is in constant change because that's that's how you survive.
1: Absolutely, it is, and I mean, I suppose because I've. Um, you know because you know working at MRI Springboard you know founding that business and knowing that it's all about measurement and measurements change and seeing the data flow through every day in terms of footfall and sales and I see it move from day to day I sort of that's naturally where I you know I have have sympathy with that and I just it's just part of me it's part of my DNA so I see that I think for retailers you know it's although retailers work on, on short timelines it's easy to forget that actually things are changing for day to day and it's those little incremental changes that make a big difference sometimes you know um and understanding the, the basics is absolutely critical so you know what is you know how many customers are your stores attracting through the doors what's the norm what's good look like what's bad look like um what's consistently good and consistently bad and then the same with conversion you know how many of those are actually buying anything and what are they buying um and also, how is that, that store performing in relation to where it's located? That's really important because you could think that the store is doing okay, but actually it could be doing so much better. Um, so understanding just those three key metrics would mean that everyone has a handle on exactly where the issues are within the retail uh, business and what can, and what it therefore can be fixed and in what timeline. And you know, knowing what can be fixed and what can't be fixed, really, really important. And then you get an idea of you know, what's achievable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A couple of other retailers for you that blast from the past. Texas.
1: Oh, yes. And Tandy. Do you remember Tandy?
0: Tandy. Blockbusters.
1: NBC. Yeah.
0: Oh, Comet. Yeah. Courts uh, yeah. Furnishes. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there's more than you think when you start.
1: MFI. Oh, yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then think of all the people that are in those. So I think our MFI is now a range. I think our local BHS was a Wilco's, ironically. Um, so th- those units have evolved and, and moved on which is uh, which is always good
1: yeah what's really interesting actually is what we've seen um, what we're seeing and we haven't seen it fully yet and and you know we've seen a lot of Debenham stores remain vacant because that's they're quite an issue about re- redeveloping big department stores because there's a lot of space that doesn't have any windows so people to all oh, make it into flats you know but actually if you did that half the flats wouldn't have a window so you can't that's not very achievable very easily but stores like Woolworths and Wilco in in high streets are probably more able to be converted into flats because they have more open natural light coming into them and what we've seen in the past is that you know the top floor will go to resi or to office or to works you know co-working space the bottom will be split up into smaller stores so whilst they're bigger than they used to be they're still smaller than they are currently and that offers new retailers an opportunity to come in because over the years, the conversations I've had with town centres and with business improvement districts has always been about my town stagnating because I cannot, I don't have any space to have any more retailers in. There is no one moving out, and I don't have any flex. So the new retailers who want to come in, I can't, I can't accommodate them. So hopefully, what we'll see over the next few years is some new retailers springing up and developing, and they're all. And you know what the internet has done is has been brilliant. It's been given that learning ground for all those retailers who to test their propositions um and see whether they're a goer and then they they realize and which is something we've i've always known is that bricks and mortar is really important and people like going into store and then they move over into store as well so they get that omni-channel offer
0: and one of the things you talked about in the kind of previously was around kind of knowing your business, knowing your data, that footfall when people are in. And we talked on a previous episode around the kind of rise of Saturdays again, the importance of making sure we've got the right colleagues in on those Saturdays. I remember again, in my time running shops, we probably weren't at our best on Saturdays because on Sundays we had probably a younger workforce there, students, part-timers and our uh, core team, our full-times, our experience, works mon- worked Monday to Friday. So I know that shift's happened. But again, as we're working in a more hybrid world, Saturdays and Sundays seem to be coming <laughs> a lot more the discretional shopping days where we've got time and we want to go out and, and have a wonder.
1: Absolutely. I mean, Saturday was always the peak trading day anyway, but the data's shown that that has increased in importance proportionately throughout the week even more now and we're only seeing a small increase but it's starting and that's as you say, Simon you know we work in a hybrid fashion I'm sitting at home at the moment you know the day that I have to go out to shop really is Saturday I'm not in my town centre anymore during the working week where I used to be able to pop out at lunchtime and go shopping I don't do that anymore so Saturday is my day and sometimes Sunday too um, so yes you need experienced salespeople on those days because actually if i'm out on a leisure trip and i've got a bit more time to spend i'm more likely to spend more money if someone's pretty persuasive and sells to me and helps me and supports me in my trip so it has to be about resourcing it right and but understanding your business because for some businesses satis whilst maybe busy may be more functional so it, it, it in every business is is different But understanding where the benchmark, the national benchmark is, really helps because it gives you that laser view to be able to focus and say, well, actually, what is our Saturday doing? You know, what should we do on that? Should we change anything at all or just leave as is and start to test things as well as you go through?
0: Brilliant. So... Lots of positivity, lots of things to look at. Some good tips there around again reviewing Saturday's experience, um, making sure we're upselling to people when they're in the shop, or at least trying to convert when footfall's relatively flat, flat or stagnant with kind of minimal gains and decreases. So um, yeah, let, let's see what pans out in the next few months with weather, economics, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then I suppose ultimately for lots of retailers, it all comes comes together at Christmas.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we'll be keeping a very close eye on this year, as we have in all the other years. Um, But we're in a more normal economics cycle now, um, albeit not a very pleasant one, because, of course, there's always something that's thrown at us. Um, But, yes, let's keep a close eye on it and look forward to uh, talking again.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Di. We'll catch up soon.
1: Thanks, Simon.